Everybody's okay? All right. Thank you. I just want to say a little word of welcome. We have a couple of guests in our house today, or maybe more than guests in our house. And from there to here, I just forgot the name, sorry. I'm embarrassed, and I apologize. Uh, but make sure that if you see a new face in worship or in our fellowship, invite them over to stay and have some coffee with us, get to know each other, and be able to give uh, a blessing as we go from this place. And I'm not going to embarrass them and ask them, both of these uh, young ladies, to get up and say hello, but uh, at least you know, uh, I'm not looking in that direction, but kind of that direction. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to worship. Thank you. All right. So it is the last Sunday, right? It's the last Sunday in our season of Advent. Four candles have been lit, uh, and it's a time in which right, we are being celebrating uh, Christmas uh, to come. And all through these four Sundays, uh, the prophetic word has been speaking about a special child that is coming. So children are hoping and dreaming about Christmas stocking treats, right? Who is not a child who's looking for their Christmas stocking to be full in this season? And they're also kind of hoping and dreaming about special family traditions. And most likely, they're probably hoping that they will have some special foods that they don't really eat all throughout the year. So children are hoping and dreaming. Adults... I would say they're also doing uh, pretty much the same thing, uh, hoping and dreaming. Probably they're hoping and dreaming about family and friends who are gathering around uh, the table, maybe visiting parents and grandparents, or maybe they're welcoming one of their children coming back uh, from school or from a distance. We are all hoping and dreaming. This past week, I think it was Wednesday night, uh, Kim Kaharski and Ann Collins Carey and Pam and I went over to Calvin East Presbyterian Church. And we went there to bring the Christmas gift bags that were assembled here last week to be able to distribute those to the children at Calvin East Community. And as the evening progressed, we started with devotions and then we went to some games and some singing. And later on, there was a very, very wonderful meal prepared for us. But as the evening got started, one of the leaders of the group asked the children what were they hoping, what were they dreaming that Christmas will bring to them this year. And there was a hush. But you could hear the whisper of the children saying, whispering, well, you know, clothing items and a new uh, winter jacket and some shoes and some games. You could hear the whisper throughout the room of the children sharing. It made me think. It made me think about what does the church hopes and dream to get for Christmas? Anyone? What does Emmanuel, God with us, right? What does Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, bring to the church, to the world? Right? Right? Right, exactly. The four candles of Advent. That's what we've been anticipating, rating ourselves, trying to make room in our hearts for the gift of Advent. You know, we started with hope and then we moved to peace, to joy, which is a pink one, 
And then today we lit another purple one, which is love. And then on, on, on Tuesday night, we're going to be lighting the Christ candle. Those are the Advent gifts that the church hopes and dreams. Well, Joseph, too, had hopes and dreams and plans. No different than any of us, right? We dream and we hope and the plans that we make, they tend to organize our lives, right? And they help us to determine what's ahead of us, what's in the future. That's what we plan, right? So the Gospel of Matthew reminds us that Joseph played a significant role in Jesus' birth. The gospel, describes, uh, Ma- uh, the, the gospel of Matthew described Joseph as being a righteous man, meaning that he is devoted to God. He's concerned with living an ethical life, that he knows the requirements of the covenant of God, and he follows them obediently, and that to the best of his abilities, Joseph is in a right relationship with God. That's how the gospel describes Matthew, this father-to-be. So he's a guy that most likely, uh, he lives a very quiet life. Uh, he's not wanting to make any waves. He doesn't want you know, to have people's attention, draw the attention to himself. And, and somehow he prefers to kind of like avoid controversies. He's an honest man. He's a hardworking man. He practiced justice and fairness. And in exchange for all of this, he hopes and dreams that he can live a normal life, an uncomplicated life. And like many of us Presbyterians, we want to live a life decently and in order. Now, is that too much to ask? God with us. Sure. Absolutely. One morning, this righteous, God-fearing, faithful man wakes up in the morning, and his whole world is turned upside down, shattered to pieces. His fiancée is pregnant, and he knows without a doubt that he's not the father, and he realizes that, whoops, they are not good options available to help me deal with this mess. Folks, that's the background for today's word from God. Let's listen then as we turn to Matthew, the first chapter, verse 18. Listen for the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. The gospel is already telling us. The birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. That's the forward word. Now listen to the rest, right? When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, 
for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. May God bless our experience, as well as our understanding the reading of the Word of God. Let us pray. Creator God, you know the needs in our heart. And you know the thoughts of our minds. And on this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we light this candle of love, Lord, we ask that oh, you will speak to us, whisper to us, that you will hover around us quietly, gently, deeply, draw us closer to one another, but most importantly, Draw us closer to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So Mary and Joseph are engaged. We need to know that in the first century, in the world that they were both living, engagement is not a uh, romantic declaration of intent. It was rather a legal contract, a binding in all respect. To be engaged, betrothed, or pledged was essentially to be married without having consummated their marriage or yet lived together. Engagement lasted a long time. And Joseph learns through this period of time that Mary is pregnant, and so he can only conclude, whoops, uh, that he is that she has been unfaithful to him. And like any of us, Joseph experiences a revelation of of a devastating revelation of things, of feelings, pain and anguish, and the sense of betrayal. So what is he going to do? Right? What is he going to do? He's a good man. He's a good man, and he wants to do the right thing, and that's a great. But how do you know what is the right thing to do? How do you know? In Joseph's day, there were only two options one was to publicly declare his injury, in which case Mary would have been left most likely to be stoned to death. And the second one was to dismiss her quietly. That was soften the embarrassment and the public outrage. If he chooses to quietly dismiss Mary, she might be reduced to be homeless and and, and begging and maybe even prostitution in order for her to support herself and be able to also support the child. If he decides to marry and go through the whole thing, her son will be Joseph's heir. Everything in Joseph is saying, no, 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 this can't be true. How can this be? So he wonders long and hard, how best to respond to this holy mess. Does this resonate with any of us? 
How often, church, have we found ourselves like Joseph in messes not of our own making, but still have a direct impact in our lives, our hopes, and our dreams? The college acceptance letter that you were waiting so, you know, I mean, with expectation, it doesn't happen, right? The dream job comes to an end. The engagement is broken. The divorce happened. The arrest becomes public. Believers of every age struggle with what to do when what we have been taught to do conflicts with what our hearts know is right and good. So what we have here in this story today is a family that is struggling to hold it together. And I think it is safe then to say that the month leading up to Christ's birth were not a blissful sprinkle, you know, like a baby shower or an exciting gender reveal party. But most likely was a time fraught with anxiety and concern and mixed flight of emotion, which at one time or another, you and I have been in the midst of it. I read this story and I think of the many people that I know who feel downright embarrassed by their struggles, wrestling to make sense of the inexplicable. It's hard to believe many of the things that God tells us. Hard to accept, especially when our feelings have been hurt and the pain that we experience and the pain which we see in the world around us limits our sense of what is really possible in our world. And it is at this precise moment this desperate moment that God sends an angel to Joseph in a dream where God could get Joseph's full attention, undivided attention, to speak into the depth of his heart and propose a resolution to the dilemma that Joseph had been struggling to discern with and not being able to get on top of it. And as we have learned over and over again, angels usually get involved in the story when there is some heavy lifting to be done. In this case, orient Joseph to God's underlying intention. <clears throat> it was hard. Can you imagine? It was hard for Joseph to accept what he heard. God's call required Joseph to reorder everything in his life about fairness, about justice, about goodness, and about purity. Everything. God leads this righteous man with impeccable reputation straight into scandal, shame, and controversy. It required him to be the talk of the town and not in a good way. It required him to embrace the mess that he did not create it, to love a woman who he did not understood her story, to protect a baby that was not, that he was not the father, and to accept an heir that was not of his blood. It surely, surely must have been hard. Yet with the same, hear this out, 
with the same kind of faith with which Mary said yes to God, Joseph says yes to God. He said yes to God, and he took Mary to be his wife. He rises to a level that is absolutely remarkable for his day and time, and he goes to say, I will not harm her, abuse her, expose her, shame her, ridicule her, demean her value, dignity and worth. I will not. When we understand the challenges that Joseph faced, we can begin to understand the humility and the love that he demonstrated to care for Mary and Jesus and to make room in his heart and in his life. You see, love is the thing that drives us to practice humility and serve others even when there is an expense to ourselves. Love. So I'm grateful that Joseph's choice was a hard one. I am. I'm glad that he struggled because I struggle too. That's what resonates. Reading this story gives me a sense of hope. It reminds me that God worked and is still working through real people with real challenges. It reminds me that God can and will do something salvific through some of life's most difficult, chaotic times. And from the beginning of times, at every corner in the story of the human race, God has been making a way for you and for me. So when we choose to act and live in love, we will inevitably find ourselves facing challenges, perhaps even ridicule. And yet, love is the only way that we can make a way through the messes of life and be able to care for those the world has said doesn't matter. So as we continue in this Advent season, just a couple more days, Tuesday we come back, Christmas, the miracle of Christmas. It is my hope and prayer that you will discover the love that has made a way for you and for me to connect with a larger community of God, and may you help others find their way. Maybe so for you as well as for me. Amen.